Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, The Mercenary's Woman, Chapter 5. A distribution center, Ed's headquarters, with Manuel Lopez, the head of the most violent of the international drug cartels behind it. That's just what we need in Jacobsville. That's right, the young man replied, and he scrapped. How do you know about Lopez? <laughs> Ebb didn't answer. Thanks, Rich, he said. If I hear anything about the men who attacked Miss Johnson, I'll give you a call. Thanks, but I bet that they're long gone, he said carelessly. They've been crazy to stick around and face charges, like attempted raiding a town this size. Lopez wouldn't like the Nor-Ridery. My guess exactly. So long. Ebb said, monitoring, motioning to Dallas. Rich drove off with a wave of his hand. Ebb hesitated, and once Rich was out of sight, he looked for and found a board with new nails sticking through it. It was lying point side down now, but the wood was new, and there was a long cord attached to it. Evidently, it had been placed in the road just as Sally approached, and then jerked away once Sally had run over it. That meant that there had to be a fourth man involved, besides the man on the porch and the two men who'd assaulted Sally. That had d disturbed Ebb. They set a trap. Dallas gave. She ran over this. That's how she got the flat. Exactly. Ebb threw the board in the bed of the truck before he climbed in under the wheel. There were at least four men in on it, and I don't think assault was the sole objective of the exercise. I think I'll go over and have a talk with Cy Parks first thing in the morning. He may know something about that new construction behind his place. Cy Parks was grumpy. He hadn't been able to sleep the night before, and he was groggy. Even after four years, he still had nightmares about the loss of his wife and five-year-old son in a fire back home in Wyoming. He'd moved here to Jacobsville, where Ebenezer Scott lived, more for someone to talk to than any other reason. It was not only a former comrade at arms, but he was also the only man who knew who could listen to the unabridged horror of the fire without losing his supper. He kept him sane, just having someone to talk to, and not only could he talk about the death of his family at Lopez's henchman's hand, but also he had someone to help him exercise the nightmares of the past that he and Ebenezer shared. The knock on the door came just as he was pouring his second cup of coffee. It was probably his foreman, Harley Fowler, was an adventurer wannabe who fancied himself a mercenary. He was forever reading a magazine for armchair adventures, and once he actually answered one of the ads for volunteers, and supposedly had taken a job during his summer vacation. He'd come back from his vacation two weeks later, grinning and bragging about his exports overseas with a group of world beaters, and lording it over the other ranch hands who worked for Cy. Hardly had become the overnight hero of the men. Cy watched him with amused cynicism. None of the men he'd served with had ever returned home strutting and bragging about their exploits, nor had any of them come home smiling. There was a lot about a man who'd seen combat. There was a look about a man who'd seen combat. It was unmistakable to anyone who'd been through it. Harley didn't have that look. None of the ranch hands knew that Cy Parks hadn't always been a rancher. They knew about the fire that had cost him his family. Most people locally did. But they didn't know that he was a former professional mercenary and that Lopez was responsible for the fire. Cy wanted to keep it that way. He was through with the old life. He opened the front door with a scrowl on his lean, tan face. But it wasn't Harley who was standing on his porch. It was Ebenezer Scott. Cy's eyes, two shades darker green than Ebb's, narrowed. Lost your way? He taunted, running a hand through his thick, unruly black hair. Ebb chuckled. Years ago. Got another cup? Sure. 
He opened the door and let Eb in. The living room, old-fashioned and sparsely furnished, was neat as a pen. So were the formal, formal dining room, never used, and the big airy kitchen with not a spot of dirt or grime anywhere. Tell me you hired a housekeeper. Eb murmured. Sai got down an extra cup and poured black coffee into it, handing it across the table before he sat down. I don't need a housekeeper, he replied. Why are you here? He added with characteristic bluntness. Did you keep in touch with any of our old contacts when you got out of the business? Eb asked at once. Sai shook his head. No need. I gave it up, remember? He lifted the cup to his wide, chiseled mouth. Eb sipped coffee, nodding at the strength of it, and put the mug down on the Formicia tabletop with a soft touch. Manuel Lopez is loose, he said without prenatal. We think he's in the vicinity. Certainly some of his henchmen are. Sigh's face hard. Are you certain? Yes. Why is he here? Because Jessica Myers is here. Ed replied. She's living with her younger son and her niece, Sally Johnson, out at the old Johnson's place. She got one of Lopez's accomplices to rat on Lopez without giving himself away. She had access to documents and bank accounts and witness willing to testify. Now Lopez is out and he's after Jess. He wants the name of the henchman who sold him out. Sai made an impatient gesture. Fighting out in the open isn't Lopez's style. He's the original knife in the back boy. I know. It worries me. He sipped more coffee. He had three, maybe four of these, his thugs, living in a rental place near Sally's house. Two of them attacked her last night when her truck had a flat tire just down the road from them. It was no accident, either. They're obviously been gathering intelligence watching her. They knew exactly where she was and exactly when she'd get as far as their place. His face was grim. I think there are more than four of them. I also think they may have the same sort of surveillance equipment I maintain at the range. What I don't know is why. I don't know if it's solely because Lopez wants to get to Jessica. Is Sally all right? Eb nodded. I got her in time, luckily. I broke a couple bones for her assailants, but they got away. And now the house seems to be without tenants. Temporarily, of course. Have you noticed any activity on your northern border? As a matter of fact, I have, Sai replied, frowning. All sorts of vehicles are coming and going. They're graded about an acre, and still warehouses going up. The Sitting Planning Commission chairman says it's going to be some sort of production and distribution center for a hunting concern. They've even had a building, they even have a building permit, he cited. Matt Caldwell had been having hell with the Planning Commission about a project of his own Yet this gang got want. They wanted immediately. Honey, Eb mused. That isn't all I, all of it. So I continued. I investigated the holding company that bought the land behind me. Doesn't belong to anybody local. But I can't find out who's behind it. It belongs to a corporation based in Cancun, Mexico. Eb's eyes narrowed. Cancun. Now... That's interesting. The last report I had about Lopez before he was arrested was that he bought property there and was living like a king in a Palatine estate just outside Cancun. He stopped dead at the expression on his friend's face. Sainab had once helped but helped but put some of Lopez's men away. Sainab's breathing became rough. His green eyes began to glitter like he didn't Lopez. Now what the hell would he want with a honey business? It's evidently going to be a front for something illegal. 
Ed Bichardi. You may have picked Jacobsville for a distribution center for his product because it's small, isolated, and there are no federal agencies represented near here. Sai stood up, so body rigid with hatred and anger. He killed my wife and son. He had Jessica run off the road and almost killed Ebedical. She lived, but she was blinded. She came back here from Houston, hoping that I could protect her. But it's going to take more than me. I need help. I want to set up listening post on your back 40 and put a man there. Done. Sai said once. Well, first, I'm going to buy a few claymores. It took a minute for the expression on Sai's face and his eyes and the set of his lean body to register. It had only seen him like that once before, in combat, many years before. Probably that was the way he looked when his wife and son died, and he was hospitalized with severe burns on one arm, incurred when he tried to save them from the raging fire. He hadn't known at the time that Lopez had sent him to kill him. Even in prison, Lopez could put out contracts. You're going to start setting off landmines. You have to think with your brain, not your guts, Eb said coolly. If we're going to get Lopez, we have to do it legally. Oh, that's new. Coming from you, Sai said with bitter sarcasm. Eb's broad shoulders lifted and fell as he sat down again, straddling the chair this time. I'm reformed, he said. I want to settle down, but first I have to put Lopez away. I need you. Sai extended the hand that had been so badly burned. I know about the burns, Eb said. If you recall, most of us went to see you in the hospital afterward. Sai averted his eyes and pulled the sleeve down over his wrist, holding it there protectively. I don't remember much of it, he confessed. They sent me to burn unit and did what they could. At least I was able to keep the arm, but I'll never be much good in a tight corner again. You mean you were before? Eb asked with howling mockery. Sai's eyes widened. Narrowed and suddenly he burst out laughing. I've forgotten what a bunch of sadists you and your men were. He accused before every research and destroy mission, somebody was claiming my gear and asking about my beneficiaries. Side so no longer. I've been keeping to myself for a long time. So we noticed came to drive by. I heard it took a bunch of troubled adolescents to drag you out of your cave. Sai knew what he meant. Belinda Jessup, a public defender, had brought some of the property on his boundary for a summer camp for youthful offenders on probation. One of the boys, an African-American youth who'd fallen absently in love with the cattle business, had gotten through his show. He worked with Luke Craig, another neighbor, to give the boy a head start in cowboying. He was now working with Luke Craig on his ranch and had made a top hand. No more legal troubles for him. He was on his way to being foreman of the whole outfit, and Cy si couldn't repress a tingle of pride that he had a hand in that. Even assuming that we can send Lopez back to prison, that won't stop him from appointing somebody to run his enterprise. You know how these groups are organized, Sai added. In the cells of ten or more men with their chiefs reporting to a regional manager, and those managers reporting to a high-level management designatee, the damn cartels operate on a corporate structure these days. Yes, I know. And they work complete with pagers, cell phones, and faxes, using them just long enough to avoid detection. Eb agreed. They're efficient and they're merciless. God only knows how many undercover agents the drug enforcement people have lost. Not to mention those from our other law enforcement agency. The drug lords make a 
religion of intimidation, and they have no sculptures about killing a man and his entire family. No wonder few of their henchmen ever crossed him. But one did, and Jessica knows his name. I don't expect Lopez to give up, ever. Neither do I. But what are we going to do about Lopez's planned operation? Cy wanted to know. Eb Sombert. I don't have a plan that legally we can't do anything without hard evidence. Lopez will be extra careful about covering his tracks this time. He won't want anything that will connect him on paper to the drug operation. From what I've been able to learn, Lopez has already skipped down, forfeited the bond. Believe me, there's no way in hell he'll ever get extradited from Mexico. The only way we'll get him back behind bars again is to lure him back here and have him nabbed by the U.S. Marshal Service. He's at the top of the DA's most wanted list right now. He finished his second cup of coffee. If we can get a legal wiretap on the phones in that warehouse once it's operating... We might have something to take to the authorities. I know a DEA agent, Eb said thoughtfully. In fact, he and his wife are neighbors of yours. He's gone ho at his job, but he's done some undercover work before. Good-looking devil, too. His wife's father left her. That's my rent. Lisa Monroe. Size Ted inverted his eyes. Yes. I've seen her around. Yesterday, she was even bales of hay over the fence to her horse. He had it in the coldest tone Eb has ever heard him use. She's thinner than she should be. She has no business trying to eat bales of hay. When her husband's not home to do for her. Not home. Size eyes went, good God, man. He was standing ten feet away, talking to a leggy blonde girl in an expensive delivery uniform. To an express delivery uniform. He didn't even seem to notice Lisa. It's not our business. Side moved abruptly, standing up. Okay, point taken. Suppose we ride up to the boundary and take a look at the progress on that warehouse. He said, we can take horses and pretend we're riding the fence line. Ed retrieved high-powered binoculars from the truck. By the time he got to the stable, Side's young foreman had two horses sat on wheel. Mr. Scott, Harley said with a starstruck grin, running a hand absently through his crew cut light brown hair. Nice to see you, sir. He almost saluted. He knew about Mr. Scott's operation. He'd read all about it in his armchair covered operations magazine to say nothing of the top secret newsletter to which he subscribed. It gave him a measured glance and he didn't smile. Do I know you, son? <clears throat> Oh, no, sir, Harley said quickly, but I've read about your operation. I can imagine what, Eb chuckled. He stuck a cigar into his mouth and lit it. Side mounted offside from the right because there wasn't enough strength in his left arm to permit him to grip the saddle horn and help pull himself up. He hated the show of weakness, which was all too visible up until the fire. He'd been in suburb physical shape. We're going to ride up the northern boundary and check the fence line for breaks. So I said imperatively, get Jenkins started on the new gate as soon as he's through with breakfast. He'll have to go pick it up at the hardware store first. Harley reminded him, just, in, just came in late yesterday. So I gave him a look that would have frozen running water. He didn't say anything, but then he didn't have to. I'll just go remind him. Harley said at once and took off toward the bunkhouse. Who is he? Eb asked as they rode out of the yard. My new foreman. Silene toward him with a mock He's a real mercenary, you know. Actually went on a mission early this summer. My God. <laughs> Fancy that, a real-life hero right here in the booties. 
I'm a hero, Sam muttered. Chances are what he really did was camp out in the woods for two weeks and help protect city campers from bears. Hep <laughs> chuckled. Remember how we were at his age? He asked reminiscently. We couldn't wait for people to see us in our gear. And then, and then we found out that the real mercs don't advertise. We were like Harley, Samus, all talking hot air. And all smiles. I snarled with memory. I haven't smiled for years by the time I got out. It isn't romantic, and no matter how good the pay is, it's never enough for what you have to do for it. We did do a little good in the world. Came the rejoinder. Yes, I guess we did. Ed admit. But our best job was breaking up one of Lopez's cocaine processing plants in Central America and helping put Lopez away. And here he was back like a bad bouncing ball. I knew his father. So I said unexpectedly, a good, honest, big-hearted man who worked as a janitor just up the road in Victoria. He studied English at home every night, trying to better himself. He died just after he found out what his only child was doing for a living. Ep stared off into space. You never know how kids will turn out. I know how mine would have turned out. So I said heavenly. One of his teachers was in an accident, not a well-liked teacher. But Alex started a fund for him and gave up his whole month's allowance to start it with. <laughs> his face corded like a wire. He had to swallow hard to keep his voice from breaking. The years hadn't made his memories any easier. Perhaps if he could help get Lopez back in prison, it might help. We'll get Lopez, the other man said abruptly. Whatever it takes. you have to call markers from all over the world. All over the world. We'll get him. Sai came out of his brief torment and glanced at his comrade. If we do... I get five minutes alone with him. Not a chance, Ep said with a grin. I'll remember what you can do in five minutes, and I won't have him. And I want him tried properly. He already was. Yes, but he was caught and tried back east. This time we'll manage to apprehend him right here in Texas, and we'll stack the legal deck by having the best prosecutor attorney in the state brought in to do the job. The hard boys are related to the state attorney general. He's their big brother. I'd forgotten. He glanced at Ebb. His eyes were briefly less tormented. Okay. I guess I can give the court a second chance. Not their fault that Lopez can afford defense attorneys in Amarni suits, I guess. Absolutely. And if we can catch him with enough laundry money in his pocket and invoke the Rico statutes, we can fund some nice improvements for our drug enforcement people. They arrived at the northernmost boundary of Sai's property, and barely in sight, in sight across the high wire fence was a huge construction site. From their concealed positions in a small stand of trees near a stream, Eb took his binoculars and gave the area a thorough scrutiny. He handed them to Sai, who looked as well, and then handed them back. Recognize anybody? Sai asked. Eb shook his head. None of them are familiar, but I'll bet if you look into the right places, you can find a rap sheet or two. Lopez isn't too picky about pedigrees. He just likes men who don't mind doing whatever the job takes. Last I heard, he had several foreign nationals in his employee. He sighed. I sure as hell don't want a drug distribution network out here. Neither do I. We'd better go have a word with Bill Elliott at the sheriff's office. Sigh shrugged. You better have a word with him by yourself. If you want to get anywhere, I jinx you. I remember, remember now. You had words with him over Betty Melinda Jessup's summer camp. Hard words. So I agreed un uncomfortable. I've mellowed since then. You and the KGB. He pulled his hat further over his eye. We'd better get out of here before they spot us. 
I can see people coming. They can see you coming, too. They should worry, then. Sigh, Creed. Grinning, Eb chuckled. It was rare these days to see a smile on that hard face. He wheeled his horse... Leave inside a follow. That afternoon, Eb drove over to the Johnson place to pick up Sally and Stevie for their self-defense practice. Sally's eyes lit up when she saw him and he felt his heart jump. She made him feel warm inside, as if he finally belonged somewhere. Stevie ran past his aunt to be caught up and swung around in Eb's muscular arms. How's just Eb asked. Sally made a face and glanced back to Dallas. Dallas got here just before you did. It's sort of unarmed combat in there. They aren't even speaking to each other. Each other. Oh, well, he mused. Things will improve eventually. Do you gamble? She sees I feel a lucky streak coming on. He chuckled as he loaded them into the pickup. No, he wasn't willing to bet on friendlier relations on that front. Not yet, anyway. How much do you know about surveillance equipment? Sally asked unexpectedly. He gave her a look of exaggeration, patient. With my background, how much do you think I know? She laughed. Sorry, I wasn't thinking. Can a microphone really pick up voices inside the house? Jess tried to convince me that they could hear us through the walls, and we have to be very careful with what we discuss. I mentioned that Lopez man, and she shushed me immediately. He glanced at her as he drove. You've got a lot to learn. I suppose now is as good a time as any to teach you. When he parked the truck at the front door, he led her inside, parking Stevie at the kitchen table with Carl, his cook who dished up some ice cream for the child, while Eb led Sally down the long hall and into a huge room literally crammed with electrical equipment. He motioned her into a chair and keyed his security camera to a distant view of two cowboys working on a piece of machinery halfway down a rutted path in the meadow. He flipped a switch and she heard one cowboy muttering to the other about the sorry state of modern tools and how even rusted files were better than what passed for a file today they weren't even talking loud and if there was a microphone it must have been mounted on the barn wall outside she looked at eb with wide frantically disbelieving eyes he flipped the switch and the screen was silent again most modern sound equipment can pick up a whisper several hundred yards away he indicated a shelf upon which sat several pairs of odd-looking binoculars. Night vision. I can see anything on a moonless night with those. And I've got others that detect heat patterns in the dark. You've got to be kidding. You have cameras in the books and cigarette packs. We have weapons that can be broken down and hidden in boots. He continued, not to mention this. He indicated his watch, a quick normal, a quite normal looking one with all sorts of dials. Normal until he adjusted it with, and a nasty looking little blade popped out. Her gasp was audible. He could see the realization in her eyes as the purpose of the blade registered there. She looked up at him and saw the past, his past. His green eyes narrowed in the search of hers. You hadn't really thought about exactly what sort of work I did. Had you? She shook her head. She was a little paler now. I lived in dangerous places and dangerous times. It's only in recent years that I've stopped looking over my shoulder and sitting with my back against the wall. He touched her face. Lopez's men can hear you through a wall with the television on. Don't ever forget. Say nothing that you don't want recorded for posterity. The Slopez man. The Lopez man is very dangerous, isn't he? She asked. He's the most dangerous man I know. He hires killers, he has no compassion, no mercy, and he'll do absolutely anything for profit. If his henchmen hadn't sold him out, he'd never have been taken into custody in this country. It was a fluke. She looked around her curiously. 
Can he ever hear you in here? He smiled gently. Not a chance in hell. It looks like something out of Star Wars, she mused. You're going speaking of movies. How would you and Steve you like to go see a new science fiction flick with me Saturday? Could we? Yeah. Sure. His eyes danced wickedly at the idea of sitting in a darkened theater with her. End of chapter five.